0: Nothing compares to a good story. You get two people together and pretty soon what you find is they're telling stories because at a very early age, you and I learn that in store that stories are important, that they shape us, they form who we are. So to have just a little fun this morning, I'm going to share with you two stories and what I'd like you to do is to try to name those stories for me. Are you game? Okay, good, good, good. And uh, here goes the first one. Everyone on the stream, uh, join me as well. Here is the first story. Once there was a poor girl who was forced to do very hard work for her stepmother. One night, her fairy godmother magically created a beautiful ball gown and glass slippers for the ball. She went to the ball, met the prince, and lived happily ever after. So, just look at the person beside you or in front of you, all you balcony people too, and uh, tell us the story. Those of you on the stream, type it in. Go ahead, tell each other. What is the story? All right, anyone want to shout it out? What is the story? Cinderella. Cinderella. That's right. Okay, now let's look at a second story. Here it goes. One day there were three pork brothers... Each building a house out of different material. Uh, One built his house out of straw, another one out of twigs, and another one out of bricks. Along came a big bad villain and blew down the straw in the twig house. But when he tried to blow down the brick house, he failed. Now again... Uh, just whisper to the person beside you. What is the name of that story? All of you on the stream, type it in real quick. Go ahead, do it real quick. Now, what is the name of this story? The Three Little Pigs and the Big Bad Wolf. Now, folks, at an early age, you and I learned the importance of story, and it forms us. It shapes us. And. This morning, uh, our big idea that you can write in your program or you can actually go ahead and uh, just type into the JAR app outline is this, that stories are powerful. Stories are powerful. Your story is powerful and my story is powerful as well. In fact, if you think about it, all of the world is a story. In fact, when the world was created, we learned the first story, and it goes like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Those are the first words to the first story that was ever written. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then the second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, he creates, 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 until finally he gets to the sixth day, which is the pinnacle of his creation. He created human beings. I don't know if you knew that. Some of you might need to hear that today. But you are God's pinnacle. You are his masterpiece. You are truly the highlight of everything that he created. And after the creation story, he continues to create story after story after story, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, of demonstrating his love and his grace to all people because people matter to God more than anything else. Now, in the very beginning, the reason why God created human beings was not because he was lonely. It wasn't like, oh, I'm so sad, I need people around me, okay? Uh, God didn't do it that way. But he created us because he desired a family. In fact, when you think of this book right here, it is God devising a love letter to people of letting them know he wants a relationship with you. More than anything else, he longs for a relationship with people. And out of this book, there are grace-filled words, there are gentle words, there are healing words, there are wise words, there are words of love, most of all. And the question that I have for each one of you this morning is this, are those kind of words coming out of your mouth? Are those kind of words coming out of your mouth? Now most of you probably would say, oh yeah, they are, but what if we pulled your family? What would they say? What if we pulled your co-workers or uh, friends or neighbors? What would they truly say? Would they say that in your normal everyday life as you're going through it, there are words of grace and encouragement that come out of your mouth? Or are there other words? Are there words that are coming out of your mouth that are there to build people up or to tear them down? Because the reality is, is that words are powerful. And what happens is our words form stories and our stories are powerful. But how well are we doing at telling them? You know, it seems to me that if we would find a way to use our words for good in people's lives, if we could be known as Christians who actually were people who had clear and humble and encouraging and loving words, that if we did that all the time, that we might actually put a kibosh on the culture and what they think about Christians. Because most of the time, when the world thinks about Christians, these are the words that they think of. Judgmental, egotistical, arrogant, rigid, uptight, people who don't have fun. And I just believe that if we would walk a little bit across rooms and we would engage with other people with kind, loving words, then people might actually want to learn more about God's story. So for the rest of our time, what I simply want to do is share with you kind of two keys, two tools that we can use to help people open themselves up to God's story. And here's the first one. God has a story, learn to tell it well. God has a story, and we've got to learn to tell it well. Did you realize that a lot of people uh, that you know, your unchurched friends, family, coworkers, neighbors that they really do want to learn about the things of God, that they're open to learning about the God story. In fact, I read a Barna report recently that uh, Barna is a a group of researchers, uh, nonpartisan, and they went ahead and they surveyed, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of unchurched people, and as they asked them, what they found is that over 50% of them would be open to people talking about spiritual things with them. In other words, over half of your friends, family, coworkers, neighbors who are unchurched or have nothing to do with God, that they actually are open to listening to a part of God's story. And I just believe that if we would use encouragement. And love, and we developed friendship and we discovered people's stories. What would happen is God would blow open the doors, spiritually speaking, and we could walk in and engage with other people who don't know Him. But the question is if God opened a door, what would you say? What in the world would you say? I mean, if you had a friend or a co worker or a neighbor uh, who came to you, and uh, they were kind of just talking uh, to you one-on-one, and they asked you something like this. They said, you know Joe, that is if your name's Joe, if your name's not Joe, put a, it's another name in there. But if they said, you know Joe, we, we've been friends for a long time, and uh, you've been really cool about not pressuring me or twisting my arm or making me feel bad uh, in any way. You, I know that you love God and you're a church person and you do that kind of thing, but you've never forced it on me before, even though you probably kind of thought that my life would be better if I kind of got God into it. Well, anyway, things have kind of gone south in my marriage and my wife and I are not doing very well, or if I'm not married, you know, maybe it's a girlfriend that's not doing very well. And, uh, well, we're we're kind of talking about maybe, maybe, uh, doing the church thing, uh, kind of the God plan, you know. Mainly it's just kind of a last-ditch effort before we call it quits to our relationship. And what I wondered is... If before we kind of dive into anything, I just wondered if you could tell me the whole God story. Could you tell me the God story? Uh, Tell me about everything there is to know about God. So what would you say? Some of you have got like sweaty armpits right now, don't you? Because you're like, I don't know. You're pitting right now. You're like, I don't know what I would say. I have no idea what I would say. Well, let me say this, that if you don't know what to say, I understand. Because for over half of my life, I never knew what to say. People would ask me something about God. I had no idea of how to tell it in a creative way. Until finally, I found kind of a tried and true way of being able to share the story of God visually in a way that a person could see it. And that they would understand it, and it's called the bridge. And this illustration is very, very simple, and what you could do is simply pull out either a piece of paper or a napkin, and uh, you could share this illustration with any friend, coworker, neighbor in a very short period of time, and it would be an illustration that they would not soon forget. And so it kind of goes like this. Uh, You kind of draw on a piece of paper, and you can do this in your program, by the way, if you want right now, or uh, on the JAR app, and uh, what you do is we're going to have today uh, draw along with Chris, kind of like paint with Bob Ross, okay, it's draw along with Chris right now, okay, without the afro, uh, no fro. But for starters, with this bridge illustration, what we establish is that there are two realities, There is us and there is God. And we matter so much to God because we were the pinnacle of his creation. And he wants to have a relationship with us. So there's us and there's God. But what happened is that we, everyone in the auditorium, everyone on the stream, we all have rebelled against God. We've disobeyed him. We've gone off and done our own thing. We've flubbed up, messed up, screwed up in life. We've kind of done our own. And they call that sin, and it actually kind of separates us from God. Has anyone ever done this before? Uh, if you were, no one's ever raising their hand. Um, I don't know this if you knew it or not, but, but you're messed up, okay? And I'm messed up. And like every single human being is messed up. If you're here for the first time ever to church, you're in good company because there's a lot of messed up people that are around you right now. And uh, we've all done that. Like if I just took college in general, that was one whole mess up for four years. And uh, I just kind of went off and did my own thing. Have you ever gone off and done your own thing, gone your own direction, ignored God, said, kind of forget you, God, I'm going to do my thing? Well, we do it kind of regularly. Now, the dilemma is, is that people realize that there is a separation from God, but we want to get closer to God on our own. And so we think to ourselves, what we can do is just a whole bunch of good stuff. And if we do enough good stuff, we could actually walk across and become back into a relationship with him. And so what are some of the good things that we tried to do? we're like, Hey, I'm going to be a really good neighbor. And so that gets us a step. And then we go ahead and we take another step and we say, well, I'll actually give some money to charity or I'll pay my taxes on time. Or, you know, I'll actually go to church and we walk across and we think in our own efforts, we can get to God on our own. And the problem is, is that the Bible says that None of our good efforts on our own, none of our good works will ever get us into a relationship with God. No good thing that we ever do can help us to earn his forgiveness or his love for our lives. And so we finally realize that no human effort can actually get us back into a relationship with him. Now, when that happens... The sins that we've committed, as you can imagine, any offense to anything, there has to be a punishment to it. So the penalty for our sin is death, both a, a physical and a spiritual death. Now, when we talk about death, death stinks, especially our own death, to have to think about it. I mean, rarely do people like go through the obituaries and go, wonder how many funerals I can go to this week. Like, I'm just looking so forward to learning more about death and the death of every other person and my own. But thankfully, what God said was death was not the end, that he loved us so much that he did for us what we could not do for ourselves. None of our good works could do it. He sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to actually become the bridge from us to God. And Jesus canceled our death with his death on the cross. And he said, my one death will take care of all the death of every human being who would turn to me from now on so that they could have eternal life. And folks, that is the central message of scripture. That's what the Bible is all about. But it's not enough just to know this, but we actually have to act upon it. God wants us to move to the other side, but it is up to us whether or not we choose to do it. But he says, if you do, if you will take that walk, I will open up my arms and I will receive you as my son or my daughter. Now, if you forget everything else about that illustration, this is simply what you need to remember. And it says that... God sent Jesus to become the bridge, and Jesus is the bridge between us and him so that we might have eternal life, life with him forever. In fact, Jesus put it this way. He says, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be, what's the next word? Condemned. God is not this mean God who's condemning people. He says they will, not become, uh, they will not be condemned that he has crossed over. He's crossed over from life to death when he chooses a relationship with me. A while back ago, there was a uh, woman that I had lunch with who was struggling financially. And we had built a relationship, and she started coming to the jar uh, with her uh, daughter and her granddaughter. And in the midst of the lunch, uh, she just said this to me. She said, I want a relationship with the God that you talk about on Sunday, but I just don't think I'm good enough. And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, I smoke. You know, the reason we're sitting down is, is because I'm incredibly in debt I drink a little too much. There are a lot of bad behaviors that I have. I'm not a horrible person. Like, I've never killed anyone. And as we're sitting there, and she said, I never killed anyone. I was like, oh, thank God. You know, like, uh, I'm not it. But I've never killed anyone. But there are some things in my life, Chris, that are just really ugly. And so I felt a prompting in that moment because I knew this bridge illustration. And so... The server came over, and I looked down at my napkin, and it had ketchup on it. So I was like, all right, well, that's not going to be good. So I asked for a new napkin. The server brings it over. I do this bridge illustration. I ask her any questions that she had, and she had a few. And uh, when we were done with that, I simply asked her. I said, well, where are you at on this illustration? Are you more on the the left-hand side where... You're just like, I don't even know about God and where he's at. Are you kind of in the middle where you've taken a few steps? You've walked a little bit, but you're not so sure. Or you today are like on the right side and you're ready to actually make a commitment and say, I want him in my life. And I really appreciate it because she was honest and she said, well, actually, I think I'm kind of in the middle. I've walked a little bit, but I, I don't know yet. I'm just not so sure. And in that moment, folks, I did not try to preach to her. I did not try to twist her arm. I did not try to pull out 500 scripture verses. I didn't do any of that. But in my mind, I thought of a resource that I thought would be helpful for her, because it was for me, called The Purpose Driven Life. And I said, hey, there's this book that I think might be helpful. If you'd read it, I think it would help you because we all want a purpose in life. And she said, that'd be great. And so we prayed together. And later on, I got her that book, and after the book, she got connected to a small group. That's why small groups are so important, because they help us grow. It's difficult for us to do it on a solo island. And she started growing closer to God to where, finally, she did a 180 in her life. She totally turned her life around. And it was amazing to what she and her daughter and her granddaughter have new purpose like they'd never had before. Now, the bridge illustration might be great for some of your friends, but quite honestly, it might not be. And if it's not, all I'm saying is figure out something that works for you in your own life to be able to share God's story in a way that connects them to the one who knows them best and loves them most. And when you're telling whatever story it is, make sure that there's gentle words and grace-filled words and words of love and wise words that you give. And remember this because people get discouraged sometimes when they share their story and God's story. Your responsibility is not to convert the person Your responsibility is to simply take a walk, to take a few steps to actually be able to engage with people who may be disconnected from him. Your role is to take the walk. It's God's role to do it beyond that. So that's the first thing. Here's the second thing. It's a tool to help people open up to God's story. And this is it. You have a story. Every single one of you here in the bottom, everyone up in the balcony, everyone on the stream, you have a story, learn to tell it well. You have a story, learn to tell it well. Folks, each one of us has a powerful story to share. And if you've given your life to Christ at all, you have a great story. And the story is what your life was like before Christ, And what it has been like after Christ. What was your life before you met him? And what was it since you've met him? And these are the kind of stories, folks, that are in the New Testament. These are the only stories there are. For example, here's one. It's the story of a blind man. It's in John chapter 9. You can read it this week if you want to. And this guy from birth has been blind his entire life. And Jesus comes into his life and all of a sudden he gets healed and now he can see. And when he goes back to his hometown, people start asking him, so what about this Jesus guy? We've heard about him. And he said, this is all that I know. My whole life I was blind. I met Jesus and now I can see. That's all I know about him. I was blind before he met him, before I met him, and now I see. And that's his story, and he told it, I'm sure, thousands of times, very easy. I was blind, but now I can see. How about the story of the woman that had committed adultery publicly in John chapter 8? I mean, can you imagine anything that would be more shame-filled, that would create more issue to a person, to feel like they were the scum of the earth, than to have the entire public know that you have committed adultery, and then the religious leaders took her into the middle of the town square, and they were going to stone her to death. And each one of them pick up a rock, and they're getting ready to throw it, when all of a sudden Jesus walks in, and Jesus says this, He says, Hey, hey, uh, before you do that, I know the law says you should, so that's fine. But before you do that, any of you without sin, go ahead, throw the first stone, take her down. And all of a sudden you heard this drop, 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 And they're all ticked off. And all the religious people are like, "Eh, we're not going to be able to stone nobody today. And they walk away. And this is what Jesus did. Jesus gets down on his knees and he picks the woman up who has just committed adultery in public and says, I don't condemn you. I don't condemn you, but you can do better than this. Just go and sin no more. Go walk in a new way. And can you imagine that for the rest of her life, when anyone would come up and say, hey, do you know anything about Jesus? And she'd be like, oh yeah, this is what I know. I messed up royally. I mean, I screwed up everything in my life. And he did not condemn me. He showed me love. Folks, most of us who are sitting here in the auditorium today and most of you on the stream, this is what I realize, that your story is very similar In the way that it's written. You have a before story. You have a story when you met Christ. And then you have a story after that. And people who are searching and seeking for something in their life, they just want a person who would be real with them and tell them the story of what their life was like before Jesus came and after. What they really want to know is this God that you go to on Sunday morning and that you talk about and that you read about during the week, is he making a difference in your life? And so simple And yet, powerfully put, your story is that. Simply to be able to share what my life was like before Christ and what it's been like since I met him. Now, uh, as a pastor, I've listened to dozens and dozens of people uh, share their story of what Christ is like. And to be quite honest, sometimes they stumble and bumble and get all over the place and it feels weird and awkward. I'm like, eh. and maybe some of you have been on the other end of that before. Someone's trying to tell you about their relationship with God and it's just like cringing, like, you know, fingernails on a chalkboard. It's just painful and you're like, can this stop? And right now, what I'd like you to do is to look at some ways that people have told their story of Christ that I bet you've heard before that is just not very helpful. So check out this video. Here's the thing. I didn't realize how screwed up I was until I met this guy at the train station. But before I get to that, I, I've got to give you a little bit about my background. Even after that, I still had a wild and crazy upbringing. Like Take my school bus rides, for example. You know, I met my wife there. Oh, she was a real looker. This guy comes up and sits right next to me and starts talking to me. I mean, you don't talk to people on the train that you don't know, right? I think I've always believed in something, or wanted to believe in something. I think humans have a deep need to believe. You know, there's a a longing for significance and meaning. We've got this spirit force in us that's longing to be tapped and set free. I pray all the time now. I pray for friends like you, you know, whose whose lives are going nowhere. I pray for understanding that God will help me know what's wrong with people so that, you know, I can be a lifesaver for them. I'm giving up a storm. (laughs) Just ask my kids. Uh, They'll say that, you know, I am the primo dad of the universe. ask my church, ask them who donated the money for the new wing. Thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem in the hand of God. Thou shalt no longer be termed forsaken. Thou shalt be called Hesvapa. (laughs) And thy land, Beulah, the Lord delighted in thee. Wow. Like... Have you ever heard somebody do one of those stories like that before? And and when they do it, it's just like, "Eh, I just don't want to listen. And it's such a turnoff, isn't it? When someone shares a story like that. Well, I believe that we can do so much better. And so I'm going to just share very quickly, uh, kind of rapid fire style, four suggestions of when you're sharing your story, how you can do it in a better, briefer, more effective way. And you can tell your story in a hundred words or less. So, uh, here's kind of the first thing. Uh, don't make your stories too long. Don't make your story too long. Make it brief. I can't tell you how many people that I've heard try to tell their story of God where they start on October 2nd today and not until Christmas is it over. And you're like, please, would you just do something? Ah, it's just too much. I mean, one time I grew this goatee listening to someone tell me a story about, it's like too much. So for the love of God and country and friends and family, just make it brief, make it short. That is enough. All right. Here's the second thing is don't make your story fuzzy. I mean, a story derails whenever it's fuzzy and it doesn't have a central theme. I mean, this isn't a time for you to tell them about all the quotes from every Christian book you've ever read because guess what? They don't care. And then the second thing is don't tell every one of your supernatural experiences that you've ever had at a conference or I went forward at an aisle or I saw an angel up in the corner. I mean, all of that might be there and it's really cool to you. It freaks other people out. So make it brief. Make it central to what it is and don't allow it to be fuzzy. The third thing is, don't let religious terminology be a part of that. Or as I often say, don't speak too much Christianese. Well, do you know about sanctification? Do you know about justification? Do you know salvation? Or even phrases like this. Do you know what it means to be, you know, the, the person who has a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Have you been saved? And all of a sudden, a person's on the other end of that. And if they're not in church at all or they haven't been there, and believe me, most people in our culture, that they're not here, as you can tell. I mean, like, it's it's not then what happens is they think, are these code words? Like, I don't even know what they're saying right now. And that religious talk doesn't help. Last thing, but so important, don't have a hint of superiority in your talk. Don't be judgmental. Don't uh, act like, you know, you have it all together and they don't. If you want a person who is a non-Christian to head for the hills, just act anything with a superior sense to it. If you want a person who is far from God to get even farther, then just tell them, you know what the reality is? You don't have your act together, but I do. And that will make them leave. They will not want to be a part of any of that. And so the reality is, is that we need to be able to tell our stories in a way that engages people to where we're at. You know, my whole life, for the most part, I wore a mask and I tried to impress other people constantly, but I just lived a fake life, and I wanted people to think that I was better than I actually was, and so I would put this mask on regularly to make myself look better, and it just got exhausting. It got tiring. It got overwhelming because it's hard to wear a mask all the time, and at the age of 26, I finally realized for the first time That there was a God who did not want me to wear a mask, but he wanted me to be unmasked. To be exactly who I was meant to be, and that he would love me as is. And after that time, as I walked through my life, I walked with freedom and acceptance, and I realized that I did not have to have a fake mask anymore. I could be who I was created to be because he loved me no matter what. Do you know whose story that is? It's my story. I told it in a hundred words or less, and I did it in less than a minute. And the reality is, is that each one of you can do this same thing. And so here's my challenge for you between now and this next week, and it's this. I want to challenge each one of you to write your story in a hundred words or less of what your life was like before christ what was that moment when you came to him and what has it been like after that and what i'd like you to do is to send it to me just chris at thejar.org and we're actually going to uh you know look at each one of these stories and i'm going to give encouragement and build you up and if they're some ways that I can help make it better, I'll give some suggestions. Just know that uh, if it's way more than a hundred words, I'm going to take some red and mark it out. If uh, it has some really weird God stories that go all over the place, I'll say I like those stories, but no one else is going to understand them. But you can do it, folks. And the reality is, if your faith is important, your story has to be important. And you never really know what your story is until you write it down, when you type it out, when all of a sudden now you realize, this is my story of what God has done in my life. Folks, getting your story right is so important because it's your story that God wants to use, because your story is so important to him. And he says, I can use your story and weave it in mine, and we can draw people closer to the one who knows them best and loves them most. There's nothing that compares to a good story, and every single one of you have one of them. Now it's time to write it down, And to tell it. I hope you'll send it to me this week, chris at thejar.org, and let me celebrate with you as we learn how to tell our story and God's story better. Let's pray. Well, God, thank you so much for every single story that is represented in this place today. And most of all, God, we thank you for your story of love and grace, that your son came to be a bridge between us and yourself help us to understand your story more and more to know how to share it with passion to share it in a way that people could recognize it and understand and loving God also help us to know how to write our story this week for us to actually take the time to be reminded what our life was like before you and when we met you and then after and how you've changed us And God, thank you so much for the way that you have blended your story with ours in such a beautiful way. Now, maybe today the reality is, is that for some of you, you didn't realize that God had a story that he wanted you to be a part of. In fact, when he wrote the story of your life, he had a place for it that you would come to him. And maybe you've always thought, kind of like the woman that I had lunch with, that I'm just not good enough, Chris. And the reality is, is none of us are good enough. We can't Create that story on our own. We need a relationship with Jesus who said, I love you and I love your story and I'm going to make your story better, more just like the blind man or the woman caught in adultery. I'll take wherever you're at and I'll weave your story together in a beautiful way and you can know me more. Today, if you're finally at a point where you're like, you know what? My story stinks. I want a story that's connected with God. I need him in my life. I need his love. I need his grace. I need his forgiveness. I need him in my life. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. But it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself, but it's one that we pray together. And if you feel comfortable, I'm just going to invite you right now and each person on the stream to simply repeat this prayer after me. And so I invite you to, it's your prayer, but to repeat it after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.